Today's sponsor is Sneakers, a DC DMV sports apparel company. Go check out their very cool designs at sneekis.com. Hoodies, t-shirts, hats, and at checkout, enter Pixel and Roll and get 10% off your order. Also, in the process, you help support independent media. So go do it. Thanks a lot. And now, it's the Pixel and Roll Show with Adam Margulis. Welcome to another edition of the Pixel Roll Show. We discuss the hottest team in the NBA, your Washington Wizards. Hello, everyone. This is Adam McGinnis. It is February 7th, 2017. Are you exhausted? I'm worn out. What a game. The Washington Wizards fall in dramatic fashion to the Cleveland Cavaliers, 140 to 135 in overtime, as our nemesis, LeBron James, banks in. Wild, crazy shot, out of bounds. To tie the game and send it to overtime where the Wizards fell. But, man, the effort that the Washington Wizards put out on national TV was impressive. I think there's a lot of encouraging signs to be a Wizards fans. I know their emotions are frayed because it was up and down. And even 24 hours after that game, I'm still kind of pumped and hyped. And there's a lot of positives to take away, you know, obviously some negatives to nitpick, but where this basketball team is, uh, as a fan of it, we are becoming on uncharted territory where I just feel nothing but positivity. Uh, even when they're playing bad, I think they're going to win. Uh, when they play good teams, I know they're going to turn it on. And you saw a lot of that against the Cavs, and you've seen it over the last week with the Wizards. On today's show, uh, me and Rashad Mobley discussed the game in detail Rashad covered it at the Verizon Center. We break down the game quarter by quarter, discuss the highs, the lows, the takeaways, the end of the game craziness, uh, different situations that could have gone the Wizards' uh, way. It's a very efficient podcast, almost an hour. Uh, I kept my rants to a minimum, to the chagrin of probably no one that listens. And also, I did not laugh that much. But it is a great discussion. Uh, Rashad uh, provides some uh, behind-the-scenes details of what it was like to interview uh, some of the players and coaches uh, afterwards and the mood in the Wizards locker room. Housekeeping. I finally got uh, an iTunes comment. So go to iTunes, comment, tell me I suck, tell me I'm awesome, you know, tell me how great I am. But uh, Barf Breath said, a Sleeve of Wizards Knowledge, and he is the Zard Talk Master. So thank you, uh, Barf Breath. Uh, for not vomiting in the comments section. And like I said, the ratings is how I get up in the iTunes. Uh, so go do that. Also tell your friends, your family, this team is winning. So there will not be long-gated negative rants here on this podcast. I'm going to try to keep it positive because what we're seeing there on the court is something to uh, to be really happy about. And it, we're reaching this point of being a Wizards fan where 
these feelings are new feelings where you keep expecting something bad to happen, but it's not. And this team is clicking. The coaching staff, uh, you know, obviously the second unit maybe needs to get a little bit better, and we can kind of nitpick around the edges, but uh, there is a lot of good things going on with this basketball team, and I'm going to continually discuss them. So also to listen. Uh, but before I get into uh, this show, I want to uh, discuss uh, Cleveland Cavalier fans. Last finals, I wanted them to win over the Golden State. It felt weird to cheer for LeBron because of all our battles that we had in the past, uh, being a Wizards fan with Arenas and him and all the painful memories. Those three playoff series of losing going 0-3, especially with a uh, you know, Arena Smith and the free throws in that one game and some of the bad calls in that series that I still believe the Wizards should have won and, and then not having uh, Arenas for the other two uh, full speed and one, not at all. And, and the Cavs using us uh, to stepping stone for the bronze success and then all the struggles that we've had as a franchise. So it felt weird to cheer for Cleveland. And last night I was tweeting during the game and I'll just tell you the tweet that set off Cleveland Cavalier fans. I said, whatever the outcome ends up being, the Wizards can beat this Cavs team in a seven-game playoff series. I said, can beat. Uh, doesn't mean they will be. Pretty innocuous. Uh, I didn't even grandstand or talk about shit. I got on a Cleveland Cavaliers tweet storm of their fans. And so I'll give you a rundown of the reaction I got in my mentions. Hawks said that last year when they could beat the Cavs in regular season. I think they're 0-8 now versus the Cavs in the playoffs. Uh, a lot of gifts that they're laughing at me from movies. Uh, get out of the second round first. It's February. You know how many games like the Raptors have played against the Cavs like this the last two seasons and they got smoked in the playoffs? More gifts. Trump gifts. Uh, bring it with LeBron with his title. Drugs are bad, which I really like there, Jeff Schwartz. A lot of Cavaliers and their icons, by the way, in these avatars. Cavs just took their best shot at home. No chance they won a series without home court. Cavs will have GR switchback. They couldn't beat us with LeBron James, Jr. and Shrump on the bench. Kyrie was horrible till overtime. That's adorable. It's good to have dreams. Beat us with Jr. back and Shrumpert, then you can yap. Had to scroll through a diary of your tweets to reply, but absolutely false. Who's the last team in the East to do that again? More gifts, more gifts, more gifts. They figure out how to, figure out how to win an overtime at home with LBJ on the bench. Uh, should I go on? Ha, ha, ha. Obviously, wait till we get JR back. It's February. Ha, ha, ha. LOL. Ha, ha, ha. I appreciate the comedy. Spoken like a fan of a team that never makes the playoffs. So can Milwaukee, but it ain't happening. Bye. Are you kidding me? LMNA. Bye. Huh? I agree. They might win a game. Nope. And you're a Wizards fans. Get out of the first and second round of the playoffs and then talk. You can't be serious. Ha, ha, ha. Last time I checked, the Wizards joined LeBron James. So the answer is the Wizards will lose. People tell me they're going to keep my tweets. So... I take that back, Cavs fans. I mean, you are the one who cheered a book called The Whore of Akron that uh, you wrote when he left to Miami. Your, your owner is a payday a loan shark scumbag. Uh, you burned his jersey. Now you come back, you win a title, and you guys still are this sensitive. Uh, after one game, uh, we didn't, the Wizards didn't make the playoffs last year, the defending champs, and my tweet was just me being pumped because the Wizards are playing good ball and... Uh, your best player wants to trade Kevin Love, who's on his team, and also has been com- complaining in the media and his dust-up with Berkeley. And I don't know, are you this sensitive, Cleveland? Is it You're not like New England fans who, you know, they're the victims, even though they keep winning uh, championships up there in Boston. But there is something wrong, Cleveland, I don't, I don't understand. Uh, so I'm back to hating you. So there you go, Wizards fans, who are probably listening to this and not Cavs. I'm back. F the Cavs. F the Braun, this rivalry's back on, and I still do believe that if the Wizards play the way they've been playing the last two months, uh, 
that they have the horses in the starting lineup to beat the Cavs in the second series because I think they're more athletic. A few tweaks here and there, but there you go. There's my rant. It's out. Uh, enjoy this conversation with Mr. Rashad Mobley. Mr. Mobley, what is cracking, bro? How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. How are you? Uh, doing well. You know, usually we, we would have a couple of minutes here of banter, but you know what? Let's get right into arguably one of the craziest, most entertaining, incredible regular season basketball games of these Washington Wizards that I can remember in a long, long time. Unfortunately, they ended up on the short end of the game, lost 140 to 135 in overtime to the Cavs. You're, you were there at the Verizon Center. Uh, before we get into the particulars of all of it, uh, just your overall thoughts of what you witnessed last night and how, how effing crazy was it at the phone booth? Well, first, let me start off by saying I knew that because it was a big game, that truth about it would get two seats, but one seat will be in the hockey press box. So I got there at about 4.30. I made sure that one seat was in my normal spot in Section 104, and... I had never gotten to a game that early, so I went into the press room, and Ben Standick said, LeBron is warming up on the floor. So I guess he warms up, you know, way before everybody else. So I went out there, watched him warm up, and you just could tell, you know, I've seen him warm up before, but you could just tell that he was he was dialed in. I mean, he was running extremely fast, extremely hard, cutting to the basket, dunking, no joking around or anything, as I've seen him do in prior games during the warm-up. And you, you could just you could tell he was dialed in, and you knew it was a big game. Uh, that and the fact that Wilbon was there. So, you know, it was it was, it was was intense from the start. And, you know, my, my biggest takeaway in the beginning was that the crowd, you know, there were 23 jerseys, and there were Miami Heat jerseys, and there were St. Vincent's jerseys, but the majority of the crowd seemed to be there for the Wizards, which was a switch because, as you know, it's usually 50-50. And it seemed, I'll say 65-35, there were mostly Wizards fans there. So it, it was nice to be in that atmosphere where I'm wondering what the hell happened to our fans. I don't know if that's a result of the win streak or, you know, I, I don't know what, what it was, but it was it reminded me of 10 years 10, 12 years ago with the arenas battle. So, you know, I mean, as a writer, he's supposed to be impartial. We both know that's BS, but I, it was nice to be in the atmosphere that felt like legitimately home court. Well, let's set, this, let's set the scene. I mean, it is. The Wizards had won 17 in a row at home. They had won seven in a row overall. They were 11 and 1 in the last 12 games. John Wall called it the biggest game, uh, regular season game of his career. And like you mentioned, the hype was there. I was super nervous. I was I started cleaning my bathroom uh, at my place. I, I had to get this nervous energy out. John Wall was on the cover of ESPN.com with a lengthy piece by Brian Winhorse. I recommend everyone check out. It was very well written. And you were right. The intensity off the bat uh, of this game from both teams. I mean, they were ready to go. Uh, it was on TNT. The Wizards had owned it on national TV uh, twice uh, so far this season it was the second time and and there was this energy pop and I could tell through the screen and it's glad to, glad to know that the Wizards fan uh, came out and represented it. What was your take on the overall environment? I know you're talking about before the game, but you know what you what you saw out of these both these teams uh, early on. Uh, well, first you can t- you can kind of tell when LeBron is fully engaged because he goes to the basket. And I'm sure you've seen the clip by now where he goes to the basket and dunks on Markeith. And 
and you know he dunked he just ran back and he was very businesslike and you can tell he was hell-bent on getting to the basket i think john wall had that same intensity but he was off i mean he was granted he was getting fouled and it wasn't called but sometimes he was just flat out going to the basket and was out of control and you know there was very lucky that bradley bill and to a lesser extent Otto porter were on fire because wall just could not get on track it wasn't that he couldn't get in the lane because he was getting to the lane he just could not finish he would be hit you know he would just flat out miss um so it was nice to see the two superstars understand the importance of getting in the lane and both of them even though james was on and wall was off they both were looking for their teammates once they got in the lane so you know you you can tell we've watched enough basketball to know sometimes when you hit the doldrums of january you see teams kind of going through the motions and just kind of you know settling for jumpers and if we can go back to setting the scene it's important to note that one the Cavs were struggling a little bit but since the Barkley controversy they had been rolling number one and number two right before the game that Frank Isola story came out about LeBron wanting uh, Carmelo at the expense of Kevin Love so you know there was as always there was a little bit of drama surrounding the Cavaliers and I'm sure that weighed heavily on LeBron's mind too not to mention he was going up against a team who he had to listen to all week that this is the team that I could challenge Cleveland. They're, they're up and coming. So I think that had a lot into that went a lot into his mind state. I'm getting to the basket. Um, and so he was physical in the post. I mean, we normally don't see him kind of concentrate and settle in the post. He was uh, going at Markeith to a lesser extent. He was going at Otto Porter, neither one of which can handle him, although Markeith did a better job. And so it was, it was a weird. It was weird offensively to watch the teams because the normal bread and butter was not was not on. Bill was on, Wall was off, LeBron was on, Love was on, but Irving was just kind of floating around. So the game had a weird feel to it. But you could tell that Cleveland wasn't in their comfort zone as much as the Wizards were. I mean, they had no problems relying on Bill and Otto to get them started. So that was that was my main takeaway from the first quarter. I felt like if this particular rhythm continues. They, you know, they can win. Now, the only thing that was concerning me is, and I'm sure you saw this when you watched it, the Cavs extended a lot of plays by getting their hands, as Wall said, after the game on the 50-50 balls, but the offensive rebounds. And that was concerning because Gortat, as physical as he is, he's not much of an athlete. And Thompson and Love were just all over the boards. They were tipping balls, and it, it seemed like Gortat was short, and that concerned me a little bit. But they were up by six going into the second. Yeah, I thought Gortat showed a little nerves early. Uh, he kind of sometimes Gortat overhypes himself, especially in big moments like this, and in in some of those rebounds that he normally get. I think he, I remember one time he made a really bad outlet pass, and I was you know usually he's you know really uh, exceptional at those, and you know he did have uh, some big buckets uh, late in the game, and, and I felt that he had some good rebounds and good screens that we've seen out of him this season. You, you know the this the second unit. I felt struggled a little bit in the first half, uh, but but the Wizards got it going uh, when Wall came back in, and, and they were up 57 to 54, and, and John Wall was struggling with his shot, and he didn't even have that many assists. But Barkley commented uh, at halftime about how John Wall was controlling the pace throughout the game, and I, and I felt John Wall, yes, I could go off for minutes and minutes and minutes how I thought he was getting screwed on his on his drives, but I thought the Wizards' offensive attack. Uh, was was well thought out and who they were going at whoever was whoever Kyrie was on 
Uh, and, and they got, they got him out of position. You know, I think Otto took him off the dribble a little bit. Beal was getting at him. Wall was getting in the lane, creating a little bit for others. And it, that, I saw that really showed out in, in the first half, especially. Yeah, the bench didn't look great, but you were still getting Ubre, although he didn't score, was re- being very disruptive. He was getting in there. As he said after the game, his attitude was no matter who he was guarding, I'm here all night. I'm not going anywhere. I appreciated that. I do think the moment kind of overwhelmed him, at least in the first half. Jason Smith, you know, kind of played well intermittently, but they basically got nothing from uh, Trey Burke and Sadoransky. They they all looked like the moment was a little too big for them, and that's, you know, I, I know I'm jumping ahead, but I saw uh, our colleague Chris Miller after the game, and he asked me what I thought, and I said it was a great game, and I asked him what he thought. He was like, I think they need to make a move, and that's the one thing that this game showed me, especially when the bench came on. They don't have a Richard Jefferson or Channing Fry, they don't have those players off the bench who can hold their own. Um, so I was in, in the second quarter, that was particularly concerning. But for all this belly aching I'm doing, the Wizards bench did not lead, lose the lead. Now, Porter was out there for a little bit. Markeith, who had gotten in foul trouble earlier, was out there. And Beal was there before ultimately Wall came back. But as spotty as they were playing, they did not lose the lead. It was six when they came in, and when they left out, it was also six. It was actually the starters who gave a little bit back. So they didn't score, and they didn't wow you, but they, they, they held their own. It, that is true. And, and, and the, you know, the second half starts, and and I felt that that's where Wall got a little bit sloppy uh, in the third, and I, I saw him kind of make some normal passes that he usually makes uh, very succinctly, and he was forcing a little bit, seemed a little worn down. And then the Cavs really got going, especially Kevin Love there, and they went on a little run there uh, to end the third to, to take the lead uh, entering the fourth quarter. What did you see out of the third quarter? Well, both teams have been shooting over 50% for the first half, and that really wasn't a realistic pace for them to be keeping. But you did notice the Wizards started to drop down just a little bit to 47, I believe, and the Cavs went up to 54. Kevin Love was, was catching fire. Um, you know, Irving was still off, but, you know, LeBron James started heating up a little bit, and you just saw that whether it was Wall or Bill, they weren't quite able to keep pace just in terms of the shooting percentage. I mean, they, they stayed close, but you just noticed the momentum shifting a little bit. Like Thompson and Love were getting their hand on even more balls, and it, you know, it, the, because Marquis was in foul trouble, it kind of compromised his aggressiveness, and he just wasn't able to bang down low and Otto Porter tried his best I mean like there were consecutive possessions where he was down low on LeBron and got used and then Kevin Love was down there and you could just see where at least at that point it felt like the Cavaliers were getting ready to pull away because they just knew where the mismatches were and they, they knew they could exploit them so you know it and Wall played his best quarter to that up to that point he was scoring seven points but there just didn't seem to be that fluidity and they definitely weren't shooting as well, so I, you know, I felt like even though it was only four at the end of the third quarter, I felt like okay in the fourth, I think the Cavs may pull away. Yeah, yeah, you had that sense because the Wizards took a, I think, a nine-point lead uh, early there in the third, and then with, when the Cavs went on the run, and and it seemed it seemed like this is where Cleveland was really going to take over the game, and and they went into the fourth quarter, and the Wizards outscored uh, Cleveland thirty-eight to thirty-four in the fourth. Man, I mean, the lead changes uh, back and forth. The fourth quarter, man, the energy in that building as well, with all the big shots that both teams were making. LeBron made like three straight threes. Kevin Love, Kyle Korver, 
But then you had Otto responding. You had John Wall with some jumpers responding. Uh, and Beal hitting two huge threes, and uh, especially one there to tie it when he did a little dance. Uh, it was reminiscent to uh, you know the playoffs against Toronto where uh, Paul Pierce really got into his uh, face to, to turn it up. The fourth quarter, how amazing was that to watch in person? It was, it, it was intense. I mean, I didn't take any notes in the fourth quarter. I mean, I, 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 I diligently took notes one through three, but in the fourth... Particularly when, you know, I think what was it the the six minute mark, right around there, uh, the Cle- Cleveland went up five, and then again I felt like okay, because at at this point the way that Love and LeBron were playing was better than the way Wall and Beal were playing, and I felt like at some point in that fourth quarter they would get a little bit of separation and they would win, and when they went up one on one ninety six, you know I felt like okay here we go, but then. There were these trade-offs where LeBron would hit a shot, and then Wall would hit a shot, and then LeBron would hit another three, and they were just going back and forth. And it was just, I didn't expect anyone to miss. The shooting percentages were back above 50%, and it felt like I was a little disappointed in the defense in LeBron. I felt like, and this obviously would be a theme later on in the quarter, but I felt like at that point, he's having a great passing game. Force get up on him, force him to make that extra pass to Irving or, or Love, but... There was just too much room for him on the perimeter, and he was he was just nailing shots. And you know it 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 was good to see the Wizards match it. It was good to see Wall finally get going, and Bill was hot. But it just it was concerning, at least to me, that LeBron was scoring with relative ease. And you know, I guess we have to talk about that last shot. Um, the you know when I went back and watched it, there, there were a couple things that I noticed, and. Look, we all know, I mean, even if there's no timeout called and you're not sure what to do, if you've been in the league as long as Markeith Morris has been, you know what Kevin Love's forte is, and that's throwing inbounds passes, whether it's via an outlet pass or it's throwing out of bounds passes. That's what he does. And Kevin Love is 6'10", I believe. Markeith is maybe 6'9", 6'10". That pass would have been a hell of a lot more difficult to make if he got up in Love. There was no reason for him to play as far back as he was playing because there wasn't going to be an inbounds pass and anywhere back there. It definitely had to be down the court. There were 3.4 seconds left. Cleveland had no timeouts, and so that bothered me. The other thing that bothered me is that Wall was kind of in no man's land. I mean, he was he was like a safety on blown coverage where he was just far enough above LeBron that he couldn't even contest. It seems like I'm making football analogies here, but he yes. couldn't con- he couldn't contest the pass. He couldn't reach back. He couldn't get a hand in the face. He couldn't do anything. And so you left 6'9 LeBron James with 6'4, 6'5 Bill. And, you know, you could argue that Bill should have fouled him before the ball got there or while it was in the air, but Bill definitely should have fouled him. And he didn't. He tried to play it like it was a traditional jumper. And to, to Bill's credit, he admitted after the game he should have fouled. But I think these are these situations where a championship team knows exactly what they need to do. A championship player in LeBron knows exactly where he needs to go. And the Wizards were just kind of one step slow on everything. Uh, even though LeBron did step out, they're not going to call that. And he hit the shot. And you could just see, I mean, I felt like Bill was just looking at himself like, I, I can't believe I did that. And it was an amazing shot. You have to give it up to LeBron. And I don't, it was a lucky shot. It was an amazing shot. But there were just, but then that 3.4 seconds before the clock ultimately stopped at point three, there were moments that perhaps an experienced team or a different lineup would have been able to prevent. 
Well, let's go back a little bit. Kevin Love makes a three-pointer to, to give them a lead at 116 to 112 with a minute 15 left. And that's when I'm like, oh, they're down. They're down two scores. That could be it. Porter gets fouled by LeBron. He misses one of the free throws. So now they're down three points. And Marcin Gortat, and it, it, it is overlooked, but I re, when he re- watched the game tonight, I totally forgot that he made a huge block on LeBron. Yes. 50 seconds left in the game. Clean block which leads to uh, John Wall fast break. He finds Bradley Beal. Uh, and, and it was really awesome about that is Beal gets the rebound off the block and immediately passes to Wall. And then Wall is able to go full speed and then find him uh, top of the key to splash the timeout. Uh, Tristan Thompson gets fouled. After that, he makes one and two. Uh, and then John Wall goes down after timeout, misses a layup, and then Mark Keefe with the tip in. Uh, which should have probably been the play of the game in that sense, the go-ahead winning shot until what happens. And then then the, then the Cavs are down one. And, and this is where the flashbacks came back to uh, game. God, what game was it? Uh, game four, three or four in Cleveland where, the, where Antoine Jameson d- doesn't block off on the baseline uh, in 2006. Uh, you know, the crab dribbles from the regular season and all the different travels that were not called to LeBron uh, back in those days of those – uh, Soldier Boy, uh, Jay-Z battles of the Wizards, uh, Arenas and Stevenson, I guess, to a lesser extent. And, and, and LeBron literally travels. You see the Wizards bench go nuts, and he misses the layup. And then, you know, did you see the travel? Could you tell how bad he traveled? I saw it. I was sitting next to Michael Sykes, a bullet forever. And not only did he travel, but LeBron, I think LeBron was so amazed that the travel wasn't called when he took that third step. That he missed the layup. Like, I, yes. think it, I think it threw him off because I'm sitting there watching. I was like, first of all, I'm of the belief that a Euro step is traveling anyway. But he took it. He, after he did the Euro step. He did another he step. He, pass, he, he did another step. step <laughs> to the basket. And I'm sure at some point between the release point and the ball leaving, he was like, I just traveled. And he missed because he couldn't even dunk it. He was at an awkward angle and he missed it. And at that point, I felt like, okay, this, this is the game. Um, but. Yeah, the, ba- the basketball gods were not with us. Because think about the narrative changes. You know, here it is, Wall talking about how big a game it is. The bronze, you know, the the Frank Iazola, the Kev Love. Now it's, you know, the Wizards are a real threat. And now you have a blatant travel miss and LeBron missing that layup. And that's all they would talk about, right, on all the shows today in ESPN. And when so Wall gets fouled, makes two clutch free throws. But going back to what you were saying, so the Cavs have no timeouts. And when Wall was on the free throw line between his first and second free throw, he was yelling at the teammates about who's guarding who. Like, who's got who, who's got who. And that was very clear. And I was kind of worried of him directing traffic that he would lose concentration on this huge free throw. But what about him missing the free throw? So if he, I know if it's really hard to miss on purpose, but if he misses the free throw and they battle for the rebound, and there's a couple seconds left, you know, hopefully the wizard doesn't go over the back. But for them to get the ball in that situation, I don't know how much. I mean, they maybe get to half court, you know, forty foot. I, I mean, I know you don't want to miss because that because then that that shot makes you lose. So you always want to you know make so then you can't lose so you can go in overtime, which is what ended up happening. But there is a case to be made at 3.4 seconds. If he misses that, uh, that that the scram and the scrumble, or say Tristan Thompson ends up with the ball by the time he tries to pass to somebody, uh, if the Wizards are you know on defense on the on the three point line, that that I don't know if the Cavs really get off a good shot at all. Yeah, I, I think it would have been worth it in between the first and second free throws to call a timeout from Scott Brooks because you know these aren't scenarios that the 
deficits are used to being in. And even that, those particular group of people, you know, with Ubre on the floor, they're they're not, they're just not used to it. And I think it would have been nice, even even though it would have been cramming, just to go over some contingency plan and be like, look, let's do this. If love, I mean, you figured that love was going to take the ball out, but just again, this is hindsight and. We're, we're saying all of this because LeBron hit an amazing shot. It's not like he hit a you know a shot from the top of the fade, key. Fade away bank into the Wizards bench. I mean, like almost hit Ted Leonsis as he falls into the bench. Right. <laughs> where, where where is the obstruction of Sidney Lowe when you really need it? You know. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, I saw Sid, I saw Sidney Lowe. I watched the whole the whole bench's reaction. Uh, Gortat was a stoic. He couldn't believe it. And I saw Sidney Lowe get up and sit down. <laughs> like he couldn't believe that what just that's what just happened. It had the ultimate like spun around in disbelief. Uh, and the crowd and reactions. What was it like when that shot was banked in? The reactions because I heard today that uh, from a buddy of mine that was there. You know, it was say, you know. Cast fans going nuts, Wizards fans being pissed, and maybe everyone else just being like, "Did that really just happen?" Happen? <laughs> well, it was everybody was incredulous. I think the first thing people did is look to see how much time was left, and you know they they saw how much was left, and and then it was like, "Okay, there's no time to do anything." But it was such a quick turnaround from, "Damn, I think we might have blown on this game." To if you look at the first. I say the first few minutes, or not even the first few minutes, the first minute and a half or so of the overtime, like there was no time for the air to be let out of the Verizon Center. I mean, LeBron fouled out, um, and then after LeBron fouled out, the Wizards went up five points. And I think, you know, instead of feeling down, like, oh, we blew it, it was like, okay, LeBron is gone, we're up five, you know, we can, you know, we can, we can win this. But, and they were up at 1.1, Kelly Oubre hit a three, they were up 120. 7-122. But the thing that bothered me, and I tweeted about this, particularly Bradley Beal and Otto Porter were a little too happy when LeBron fouled out. I mean, LeBron, I mean, Beal was pleading with the ref that the foul was on LeBron and nobody else. And then once the ref made the call, Porter was clapping. And their, their behavior was just a little too demonstrative for me. And I tweeted, everybody's cheering as if as if Kyrie Irving can't kill them. I mean, he is the one who won the finals. He also is the guy who hit the big shot against the Warriors earlier this season on Christmas Day. And I just felt like they were so focused on LeBron that they did not remember that Kyrie is the one who is the killer. Now, he had been off. I think he had shot like 6 for 18 or something like that up to that point. So there was no reason to think he wasn't going to come alive. But that's, that's exactly what he did. And... Beal, the very player who had been lobbying to make sure the ref knew that LeBron was gone, is the one that got torched by Irving. Mm -hmm. And I wrote about this. There were two different possessions. There was one where Kyrie did every between-the-legs and crossover dribble that he had in his arsenal, got to the baseline, kind of head fake, and drew a foul that wasn't called and hit the shot. And then the second time, I saw Tyrone Lue call a play. I saw Richard Jefferson run over to set a pick, and Kyrie just put his hands up like, Please, I can take this guy. And that's exactly what he did. He did the exact same amount of dribbles, and he faked going right, and then he kind of pulled back and hit the shot, and Bill was just off guard, and he hit the shot. And not only did he hit the shot, but I'm sure that Irving saw Bill do that dance in regulation. So he kind of scowled at Bill as he ran by him. And then, as everybody saw in sports, and LeBron was waiting with the chest bump of life, and they were talking all kind of shit at that point, and it was over. And I just felt like 
to have all that momentum taken by LeBron and then to go up five, they should not have been so happy that LeBron was gone because that it's like they relaxed a little bit. And there was a lot of there was hero ball by Wall and Beal. There were bad shots. They seemed to be getting a little tired, and Irving just just took over the game. And so, you know, you can say that. You know, the basketball guys were against them. But in the overtime period, more than anything, it was evident that there was a little bit of a letdown. They took their foot off the gas. And, you know, it seems like the Wizards forgot that Kyrie, just as much as love and just as much as LeBron, is capable of beating them single-handedly. Yeah, one play also I want to mention before we get into uh, the overtime, because I want to highlight some of those plays that you you just uh, brought up, is that, is that after LeBron ties it up, they, the Wizards call a timeout and have .3 seconds, and they run a great play where Wall gets open at the rim. And if Otto makes a good pass, it hits the rim. But if he makes a little bit better pass, I'm almost positive John Wall uh, tips that in for the game winner. Could you yeah, tell? I, Could you tell? I, I mean, it looked like Wall maybe was a little jumped a little bit off balance a little bit, but I was – and maybe Wall was perhaps surprised that he was so open – uh, by the time he reacted, but the but the pass was more of a line drive at the rim. Once again, how hard that is to throw up at the rim from half court when a guy's in your face uh, on the inbounds. I know that's a really tough, tough, uh, tough toss from from that position of the court. But I was surprised. You know, there's so much that was going on in this game. But that was one thing. I was like, dang, like that was actually a better chance to win the game than uh, I ever thought they could draw up right there. Yeah, I mean, I would have liked for Wall to have taken the ball out. I mean, I know he's a little short to be doing that, but Wall is used to throwing passes like that. Otto didn't seem to, I don't know, maybe his depth perception was off. He didn't seem to be very, very comfortable throwing that ball. So, it, was more of a line, it was more of a line drive, too. He didn't have much air or touch on it. Right, and, that, and that's what I mean about players being put in situations that they're not normally in. I mean, they're... They're not used to being in those types of situations. And usually when it comes down to the end of the game, the kind of situation that the Wizards are used to being in is John Wall's at the top of the key. The other four guys are spread out and he finds somebody. So that, you know, that's, that's something that they can build on as well. They can learn how to defend and out, you know, the inbounds pass and how to play it. They'll, they'll, they'll learn from that. So I was, you know, I was surprised that they got that good of a look, like you, like you said, but I wasn't totally mad at, them botching it because that's just not something that they're used to running. So Uber hits the three. They go up 127 and 122 with 344 left. And this is the Wizards' offensive attempts, possessions after that. Beal misses a 14-footer. Uber gets the rebound, misses a layup. Uh, uh, Wall misses a 17-foot jumper. Beal misses a 10-foot jumper. Uh, Wall makes a shot and a free throw. Uh, and then Beal makes a huge three with 120, but then Beal misses a, tw- a jumper, uh, and then Beal misses the three uh, to tie the game at the end. Uh, but in the meantime, you know, Corver hits a three to tie it. Uh, Kyrie makes that one baseline shot. Uh, Kyrie uh, makes another jumper after the Beal three to tie it up. And then Kyrie makes the huge three with 35 seconds left. I, I was... So I think there's a couple of possessions in there, what we're talking about, where they didn't go back to maybe the John Wall, Gortat, bread and butter, pick and roll, or you know Bradley Beal being settled a little bit more too much, and Ubre got a little too excited there uh, when he got that offensive rebound and was able to finish. Uh, I, you know, the Wizards did come back here, and Gortat uh, gets a rebound, 
and they call a foul. And then, and then uh, I'm sorry, Bradley Beal missed two threes at the end. My bad. Yeah, he missed he missed two threes. And then Bradley Beal misses. Uh, I thought he maybe rushed that shot because Kyrie makes both free throws. They're up three, and then Beal gets a look, a decent look at the top of the key. But I knew when he shot it that he just he just was a he hesitated a little bit, and he wasn't in some of the form. His quick reset he'd been showing all night. Uh, especially from downtown, and, and he was just a little off, and I could tell from the from the get go that that was not going to go in. The Cavs get the rebound, uh, make their free throws, and win uh, one forty to thirty five. Uh, is that what you're just kind of mentioning? Maybe these situations there at the end where the Wizards did you know come out of overtime and jump on them, and there wasn't a letdown that we've seen you know in Memphis in the overtime. Uh, earlier in the season, in uh, Oklahoma City as well was another one on the road where the, you know the Wizards and OT just you know after they you know gave up two shots you know uh, Gasol and Russ hit those amazing threes uh, to send the game in overtime the Wizards were basically done we didn't see that here and the Wizards came out but then maybe a lack of concentration uh, you know maybe it was you know jelly legs a little bit and. You know, maybe after LeBron, they thought they won the game. So I, th- I think that you pointing that out is true. What what did you see at the end of the game? I, n- I know we've kind of discussed a little bit. Is there anything else to take away from this overtime? Because it's kind of funny is that the overtime is, is summed up by Kyrie making those two shots. But there was possessions here that the Wizards kind of blew this game here in the in the overtime. And we would be talking about a whole different narrative uh, today. Oh, there were cons- consecutive possessions. There was when John Wall missed his shot and then when Bradley Beal missed his when John Wall missed the jumper, it just it it didn't look comfortable. Like John, John Wall was not in a rhythm in terms of his outside shot. He hit one at the end of the fourth quarter, but he just wasn't in rhythm. And the 17 footer that he but he took, it just. I, I mean, I tweeted it was hero ball, and then Beal took a shot where it was only a 10 footer, but he was off balance, and it just it didn't look like comfortable shots. And you know, we all know that Wall is most comfortable getting into the lane, and Beal is comfortable coming off a screen from Wall. I mean, coming off a screen and getting the ball from Wall, and they weren't going to what their bread and butter, and that's exactly how Kyrie was beating them. Kyrie was isolating, hesitating, herky-jerky, and was scoring, and I felt like that was the game. They were up three when John Wall took that shot and missed, and it was tied when Bill missed his shot, and you know, at that point, they needed to keep scoring. They needed to make sure that Cleveland's offensive possessions were frantic because, let's face it, their offensive possessions aren't as fluid without LeBron on the floor. Yeah. And if you can put Cleveland in a situation where they're tied or they're winning and Kyrie has the ball, they don't need to be fluid. They can just isolate, have him dribble for however many seconds. And, and, and that's and that, Kyrie's one of the best in the league doing that. You know, right. Commercial break time. Yes, my sponsor, Sneakers, S-N-E-K-I-S dot com, DMV Sports Apparel. They got some cool-ass new T-shirts, basketball District, Virginia's for Mountains, Powered by Coffee, The Empire of Virginia Strikes Back, Basketball City, D.C., a Taco Thief t-shirt. Uh, and at checkout, you get 10% off your order when you type in Picks on Roll. And in the process, you help support this Wizards Independent Media. So go do it. Valentine's Day is up. Everyone will enjoy the present. Now back to the show. They squandered opportunities where they were in a position of strength and had the lead where they could have been extended it. I mean, there was no need to rush. There was no need for hero ball. You could have run any kind of pick and roll, and they, they just they just didn't do it. So, But again, I feel like we're nitpicking. I, I want to your, your favorite guy in the world, Tony Kornheiser, had David Aldridge on his show today, who was also at the game, and David Aldridge said 
He said, look, I know there are no more victories and the Wizards are disappointed, but he said, if, if you're the Wizards and you really think about it, it took a career game from LeBron, who had a career-high 17 assists to go with his 32 points. Yep. It took it took a miraculous shot, and it took Kevin Love having one of those games that he's only had one other. He, he hasn't scored this much all season except for that one game where he went off in one quarter. It took that kind of Herculean effort, and it still took overtime to beat the Wizards. And so that if you are taking anything away from this game, you can find comfort in the fact of knowing that Bill played excellent. Wall played so-so. Porter wasn't his normal self. And we went to overtime. And the next time, we can correct those things. So, you know, I, th- I do think we're nitpicking a little bit. I think that they could have done some things differently. But they were in uncharted territory at that point, And they still were able to keep it close. So, I mean, it took a fluke, lucky, bank three for the Wizards not to win this game. And, exactly. so, and so for how of us to be like, you know, I think Jake Whitaker tweeted out before the game, he's like, as long as the Wizards don't get blown out, I'll be fine. And I told him that I feel like if there's going to be a blowout, it's the Wizards. Uh, I was obviously incorrect because I did not realize that that Kevin Love would go go for 39 points and 12 rebounds, hit six threes. Tristan Thompson would have 22 points. So Kevin Love and Tristan Thompson combined for 61 points. The Cavs hit 19 threes. They were 19 of 38 from three-pointers. And still, it took a bank shot. And LeBron, like you mentioned, had a career-high 17 assists. And he also was 6 of 8 from 3. How often does that happen with the Cavs? It, it, you know, it doesn't you know. happen very often. Like it, it just First of all, Irving was coming off an injury. So, you know, he couldn't be expected to do much. But, but Love was, this was Minnesota Kevin Love. I mean, and when he was in the post, it didn't matter who was on him. He had, he, had, he had 11 free throw attempts. He's 11-11 for the free throw line. Yep. He was he was a beast, and more importantly, he and Thompson combined for I think 12 offensive rebounds. I mean, they were just they 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 were relentless, and so this. Yep. You know, they had they had this, ten they had ten offensive rebounds combined, and the Wizards had 11 as a team. So. Right. So I mean that that was another place the game was lost, but you know I. I didn't think the Wizards were going to get blown out. I I, I thought they were going to win. And I, I think more importantly, you know, we we could talk about some of the post-game reaction where there are, you know, Stephen A. Smith, some of the cast of, T, of TNT, they just, and some other people on, on Twitter were like, we want this to be the Eastern Conference Finals. And it's amazing to me how, even though in the standings they haven't done so, just in terms of sentimentality, people want to see the Wizards and Cavs because all of a sudden it looks like the Wizards can give the Cavs the, the sternest test, whereas people have no faith in Toronto and Boston who are in front of the Wizards in terms of being able to do the same. And, you know, to me, all of this goes away. I, I was never worried about the Wizards getting blown out by Cleveland. What I'm worried about when I looked at the schedule is tomorrow night. That's what I worry about. At because, Brooklyn, at the Nets. Right, because, you know, just like on the court when you have a little layup that you should have made and you blow, and then the other team goes down and scores and they call it a four-point swing. If you lose a game that you could have won to a great team and then you lose a game that you that you absolutely should win to a bad team, those, that's the kind of thing that losing streaks are made of. That That's the kind of thing that gets you in a funk. It gets you frustrated. And so they... If they want to keep this momentum going, I feel like they have to. It, it would be nice if they blew out Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Just put the game out of reach without a shadow of a doubt. Get the starters rest and let them know that this was not last night 
That was not a fluke. You know, the 17, the 17 win streak at home was not a fluke. And how we've been playing since the beginning of December is not a fluke and we're here to stay. That's very important because I feel like they haven't been good long enough to have a bulletproof psyche. And if you lose to the Cavs and lose to the Nets in successive games, that's, that's, that's not good. That's coaching, but it's also up to the superstars. So I'm more. Oh, but, no, but we've, but what we've seen over this last good play of the, of the Wizards for this past month, you know, they killed Portland. They sat out the fourth quarter. They killed Philadelphia, sat out the fourth quarter. They killed the next the other day, sat out the fourth quarter. Uh, Atlanta sat out the fourth quarter and killed them. Now, granted, we also saw them struggle versus the Lakers, struggle versus New Orleans to put away. Uh, you know, Memphis, they, they struggled to put them away, even though Memphis is, you know, a lot better. So we've seen a combination of that a little bit. You know, the Bulls at home as well. Uh, you know, when they were depleted, they should have put them away, didn't. Minnesota. So we've seen a combination over this good run the last, you know, almost two weeks, seven weeks of basketball, where the Wizards have been able to get some of these uh, stretches that me and you have harped on this podcast over the season that we never saw a little bit at the beginning of the year, even when they started winning. Uh, so, yes, I think it is important when it's a team like Brooklyn who is struggling and bad uh, that they go out and pound them, especially with uh, – you know, the next two games are at home versus Indiana, which is a playoff team right now in in the Eastern Conference, and at home versus Oklahoma City, who hopefully they're able to get some revenge from their last game that they played uh, in, in Oklahoma. So, Rashad, I, I want to talk about some highlights and lowlights. Real briefly, I want to go down these real quick. Uh, low, let's start with the lowlights so we can end on a positive note here. Uh, the lowlights that I had written down here is uh, Trey Burke in the first half. We've mentioned that. Uh, good for Scott Brooks to bench him in the second half and go with Sadoransky, who, uh, who is constantly still a better point guard. We saw Sadoransky, you know, have a steal, had a nice assist. Trey Burke, you know, like you said earlier, seemed overwhelmed by the moment. And hopefully, you know, he's still a confident guy. We can see him off the ball. I thought Keeps uh, foul trouble early was key. Uh, especially his because his defense versus uh, Love was not that great. Uh, now, well, you know, not only that, but Burke, Burke, Brooks admitted after the game that Keith getting into foul trouble kind of threw off his rotations a bit because, as we know, what we're Brooks thin. has been doing to during this you know during this win streak is when the second quarter starts, he actually takes Morris out towards the end of the first quarter so that he can start the second quarter with, with Morris with the starters, and that was kind of thrown off. So yeah. his, his foul trouble. But I will say there was a span in the third and fourth quarters when Marquise and LeBron were going at it. Yep. And, you know, I, I I I didn't quite understand. I mean, I knew why Brooks preferred to have Oubre on LeBron with Marquise in foul trouble, but I would have liked to have seen LeBron and Keith go at it for longer stretches because, you know, he can't back down. Uh, Marquise easily like that, so I would have liked to have seen that. But and, that, and that's and that was what I mentioned next. I, mean, I thought that Ubre and LeBron, you know, once again Ubre being twenty one and skinny. I mean, that's a tough matchup for almost anyone in the league with LeBron. And, and there was some moments there where I was like, all right, we need Ubre just didn't have the strength uh, to deal with LeBron in the in the post. And I mean, nobody really does, but Marquise definitely would give a little bit more resistance. I thought that was a curious decision to go with Kelly a little bit uh, early on him. Uh, Walls turnovers. Some sloppy ones, especially there in the third quarter, uh, which fueled the Cavs' run. He had six on the game. Uh, could not get to the free-throw line. A lot of that was not his fault. Uh, you know, Love had 11 free-throws. Wall and Beal combined for nine free-throws. Uh, and I would say, you know, hey, I mean, you know, Ubre and Keith fouling out, 
you know, like I said, you know, Keith's foul trouble was uh, definitely a detriment in this ball game. But you know, we're not really nitpicking, and just the the, the narrative being, uh, you know, we are continually saying this is a, a fluke and luck. And the whole moral, probably the best moral victory that will probably ever be done, we could argue, uh, by the Wizards. Uh, but, you know, they did still lose a chance to have a statement game here, you know, in the overtime. And that's kind of disappointing a little bit. And I thought Gortat's uh, nerves uh, early on as well, like I mentioned. Anything else you had that you would say maybe uh, the low lights? Um, just just the, the thinness of the bench. I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal a take from Neil of Hoops District, but... This felt like a game where you you may want to to thaw out Mark Thornton. You know, you may want to have a professional shot maker in there at the end of the game who who has to be respected. I mean, I, I felt like this is the kind of game where you need Mark Thornton, a veteran who can hit shots. Like how uh, like how they have Richard Jefferson out there, right? Something like exactly. that. Exactly. Although Richard Jefferson is a little more versatile because he can defend, he can hit three, he can he can do a lot more for the Cavs than Thornton can do for the Wizards. But still, Thornton is one of those players where as soon as he comes in the game, he's a threat to hit a shot. I would have liked to have seen him there. But it's just that the thinness of the bench was a little disappointing. Um, General Wall's hero ball and his not being in rhythm was disappointing. But again, they you know they were right there to win it. It's more impressive to me, and I guess we're going to transition to the highs now. Yes, it's, it's go, the, go to the highs. <laughs> the locker room after the game, it just it looked like a team that was disgusted. You know, I've, I've been in many locker rooms from the Javale McGee's, Nick Youngs to early John Wall, early Bradley Beal. This team was disgusted because they knew they could have won the game, and I think that you know. The fact that Bradley Beal said we're going to take it out on Brooklyn and Scott Brooks said we're on to Brooklyn means that, to me, and again, this this may be hyperbolic, but I feel like if they beat the Nets and they beat them convincingly, there's been no momentum loss because now you're ready for, you know, Golden State's coming up, Oklahoma City's coming up, Indiana. You're still on track to to beat, you know, to beat some good teams. And I I just feel like... If you can stay this close to to the world champions, to arguably the best team in the NBA, there's no excuse for you to lose these games. So the attitude in that locker room after the game was that of a team that was pissed, not because they lost, but because they they could have won and made a statement. And so to me, that that, that was a huge takeaway, as was Bradley Beal scoring 41 points and showing. I mean, we've seen him have big playoff performances in his career, and in a playoff atmosphere, he had yet another. That. That, that that was encouraging to me. But yeah, I, 40, I 40, 41 points, eight assists, uh, six of 14 from three, very huge ones down the stretch, uh, showed the bravado and a swagger, uh, and a confidence in very quick, uh, that we hadn't, we haven't really seen, you know, we've seen that in this year, but on the big stage, uh, we have not seen this out of him and, and, you know, until some of those playoff uh, series, uh, you know, a few years ago. Well, Adam, he played bigly. I mean, yep. if, you yes. know, that's, that's, Alpha that's Dog. Alpha Dog. We say he's an Alpha Dog. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I, I, you know, but I again, I, 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 I mean, I, Barkley said the Wall is the best point guard in the East, and I agree. But there were just little moments where I would have liked to have seen Wall have be a little more discerning with what he did with the ball. I think it was e- easy to get caught in a battle with Kyrie. He kind of resisted that, but he still 
still took some bad shots. And I don't know if you noticed this, there were a couple of possessions in the fourth quarter where, and particularly in the third quarter, but also in the fourth quarter where Beal was bringing the ball up, or Wall would bring the ball up, give it to Beal, and then the entire offense was Beal trying to shake his man or trying to be a playmaker. And I, I, I found that very curious, too, because that took Wall completely out of his rhythm. Um, perhaps that's something I'll ask uh, Scott Brooks about the next time, but I, I just I didn't understand that particular sequence of events because Wall was just standing there and Beal was kind of yo-yoing back and forth trying to make a play, and that's not really his strength. Um, but I'm going backwards. My biggest takeaway is that they played like they belonged, and after the game, they were upset because they knew they belonged and they didn't win, and that's that's what winning teams do. Okay, and I want to give a tip out to Otto. He was five of seven from three, some huge threes, twenty five points. Uh, 25 points on 11 shots. Uh, Mr. Efficiency, if you look at all the analytic numbers of who's the most efficient player in the NBA, he is one of them. Also still leading the league in uh, three-pointers. I thought he had a lot of big hustle plays. Uh, so, you know, some of those auto pokeouts, uh, tip balls. I think even one time he had a huge box out and rebound uh, that I thought was very key for the Wizards. And, and getting out and knowing where to be, uh, the chemistry between John Wall, Bradley Beal, and, and Otto right now, uh, when they do that transition, when they get a defensive rebound and they make that outlet pass to John Wall, both of them know immediately where to go. And, and, and it either happens in that first transition break or even the second transition break where Wall maybe scouts out a little bit and whips it across the court. And it's, it's been there. We've seen it all season. But for them to do it against the Cavs on a big stage, I thought that was a really positive sign. Uh, you know, Keith coming back. Uh, I, I want to give him a tip. You know, I sat there and talked about his foul trouble early, and you know, I love got to him. But you're right. I mean, there was he made some huge buckets there in the second half. And you know, one of the things that we've always talked about, Keith. I know, you know, I wrote about in his uh, season preview, and we saw it manifest a lot earlier. Sometimes in the season, is that when he get early foul trouble, he yell at the ref, get attacked, and then he he would really be done. And by the time he'd come back in, uh, he'd maybe try to take some like you know off balance twenty footers. Uh, we haven't really seen him uh, do that as much, and he, he's shooting a lot better on the spot ups. And uh, he was six of twelve, didn't hit a three, but you know that that huge tip in uh, at the end of the game was was crucial. Ubre coming out with positive minutes, like you mentioned, it didn't seem he didn't seem too big for the moment. I mean, he did miss ten field goals. He had eleven points on ten field goals. Uh, you know, I had a couple other threes. I think that he could have drilled, but you know, he did hit that big three in overtime. And for a twenty-one year old player, uh, still finding out, uh, you know. It, he still struggled here defensively, but he had a steal, uh, you know, kind of did his Uber thing. You know, he's getting a little uh, bad on gambling, which, you know, he ended up fouling out with six fouls, but I thought a couple of those calls were really bad, but he had four steals. Uh, so, and there was times, especially throughout this game, and maybe it speaks to LeBron complaining about one of the players, is that the Wizards was just a more athletic team than them. Yeah. You know, and it really showed with when Ubre would come in and be playing that four spot. You'd have Wall and Beal, and Wall would go in and out of nowhere and have a you know sick left-handed dunk, or they would try an alley oop, and Beal would be going down court and just you know stop and pop from three, and and, and Porter would be knifing in with a with a floater or getting some deflections, and it just was very apparent that uh, the Wizards for the first time in a long time. I uh, felt like the more athletic team against an elite team in the NBA, and I know the Cavs are a young team, and you know they have you know shot makers, but I mean aside from the really Kyrie Irving doing his thing with the ball and LeBron being a beast, 
you know, I guess Kevin Love going inside out, but he's not really athletic per se. Uh, you know, Channing Fry, Jefferson, you know, Felder doesn't really show much in quarter. Obviously, he's an athletic player, or maybe Shumpert. But it, it is very apparent uh, that the Wizards are a more athletic team, which I think that helps them with younger legs. Uh, if they would get to play in a seven-game series, uh, that the Wizards, um, you know, they'd be up against the Cavs probably on the road and would have to win one there and hold hold their own to, at home to pull off the upset. But there are signs that you're seeing there that the moment wasn't too big and the Wizards have a lot more bodies to throw out the Cavs. Uh, you know, with Beal and, and Morris and Otto all can, can go out LeBron and, you know, Beal and, Beal and Wall can be thrown out with Kyrie. And it's really, uh, it's tough for the Cavs because you have to have Kyrie out there, but who's Kyrie guard? You know? Well, I, w- I will disagree with you slightly. I believe yes. in, term- in terms of the backcourt and up to the three that the Wizards can match or even supersede the Cavaliers in terms in the athleticism department, but but, but the Thompson and, and Love thing is is the Thompson is gonna, Love thing is is big. Is, is, they're a handle. They're they, a tough handle down there. <laughs> they are, and you know, Markeith. That's not really his strength. You know, he's he wasn't well. I don't know how much of his aggressiveness was compromised by getting in foul trouble, but he he was not a factor. And Gortat, who you know, just against New Orleans, was just being praised by Buck and Phil for his athleticism. Does not look at athletic against love and thompson he looked a step slow and what was happening is thompson was tipping the ball to get to a point where he could grab it and you know gortat just wasn't tipping it he wasn't he wasn't reacting quick enough and i think that 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 was a big deal i don't know how many times thompson would follow with a dunk or they would kick it back out that huge run of the Cavs, i think even tweeted like someone guard thompson he kept getting these wide open dunks uh, you know, he finished 10 of 13, I would say maybe 5 or 6 dunks. Kevin Love was 11 of 13, so they were 21 of 30 uh, combined, you know, like I said, 61 points and combined for 24 rebounds. And a lot of that, yes, had to do with Keith's foul trouble, but also Gortat slipping a little bit and not really being a problem down low. Yeah, I saw someone tweeted that we really miss Mahimni. You know, that that's that's debatable. I, I, I don't yeah. know what the Mahimni. Mahimni is known as a defensive presence who can clog up the lane. I don't know if he's known as, you know, a, a deterrent to offensive rebounds. Uh, that remains to be seen, particularly coming off of the type of knee injuries that he's coming off of. I'm, I'm not going to heap that kind of praise on him because, let's be honest, if he were really all that much of a stopper, Indiana wouldn't have gotten rid of him. So I'm not, I'm not ready to. And Jason Smith's been playing well. I, I mean, I have to also mention a highlight I written down, uh, wrote down, written down. Uh, is Jason Smith had a huge block. <laughs> he had a block, and then let's, let's not forget what he did shortly after the block, where he got the ball on the left elbow, took a couple dribbles, and and took a like a, a floater in the lane, like yes. he was a guard. So I mean, Jason Smith, and he had a, a shot later on in the quarter. He has played well, but on this night, if you're going to have a six ten, six eleven guy on the floor. You want them to be a little more of a banger and can get some rebounds more than you want Jim to be Bill and Beer, you know. And so that that as much as he helped during those particular moments, he was not grabbing rebounds. That's that's what we needed from the front court. Yeah, at least I, on this, this particular night. Yeah, I agree. And my last highlight I want to mention is the Verizon crowd. I mean, they brought it. I know we t- we talked about it briefly a little bit, uh, but we've seen in the past when LeBron is with the Heat. You know, those some sometimes versus Celtics, sometimes with the Bulls. You know, you get ragged on by local media, national media, poke fun. I mean, even the Lakers, even though 
I think the Lakers game had a lot of Lakers fans uh, last week and Beal got annoyed, you know, but there is this, you know, the Knicks too as well that the, the Wizards fans uh, would get maligned, you know, fairly or unfairly, uh, I think at times, because in the playoff games, I went to all of them uh, the last few years at home and, and it was almost all Wizards fans. And uh, granted, that was the Hawks and in Indiana and, you know, Chicago uh, as well, but you you were there. You touched on it. I mean, just the energy in that building, and when the Wizards fans bring it, I mean, it, it is kind of surreal at times, isn't it? Because because those jokes of how nobody cheers unless they're throwing away T-shirts t- or giving away Chick Fil A. I mean, that that was not prevalent last night. There was a playoff atmosphere in that building, and I could tell on the TV. Yeah, there, there was, and it was it was funny. At one point, I forget who was at the line, but they missed the first one. And for once, the fans weren't cheering for Chick-fil-A. They were cheering <laughs> because they wanted the Wizards to stay in the game. So, But again, you know, and, and, and to Wall and Bill's credit, they, they took time after the game to praise the fans, to praise the atmosphere. Because, let's, I mean, let's face it, they both have taken shots at the crowd and how they don't seem to be 100% Wizards-centric. So they, they praised the fans. Um you know, I was a little disappointed. I'm, I'm going to again refer to David Aldridge today. Uh, I'm sorry, not David Aldridge. Your boy Tony Kornheiser said yes. that he loved he loved that Bill didn't say, as Scott Brooks said before the game, this is just another game. We're going to approach it as just another game. Bill said, no, this is not just another game. This is a playoff atmosphere. This is a good litmus test for us. We want to win. I appreciated that, that Bill did that. The crowd fed off that. I think that Bill played like that, and that's – that's what you need. This, these aren't the Cavs that have won a title and been to the uh, to the finals two, three years in a row, where there's an opportunity for them to be jaded about a regular season game. These are the Wizards, and this particular incarnation of the Wizards, without Pierce, without Nene, without Ariza, has not had that kind of success. And so, the next closest thing is to be competitive with the World Champions. Um, but again, to me. Even just as important as that game tomorrow night, they have to win. Somebody in that locker room, I don't know who it would be, maybe it's Mahimni, maybe it's Wall, Beal, Scott Brooks, somebody has to say, we have to win this game. Otherwise, we're going to be looked at as, you know, the Soul Wizards hashtags are going to come back out. And, you know, we're going to, those are the ingredients that losing streaks are made of. That, that, that can't happen. They have to win that game. If they lose to Oklahoma City or if they lose to Golden State at the end of the month, they lose to Indiana, that's fine. But you cannot lose to Brooklyn after pushing the, the Cavs as, as well as they did. Yeah, and Brooklyn's in last place in the East. They're 9-42. and 42. They've lost nine in a row. Uh, they've only won seven games at home. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And let's, let's not forget, Adam, they're playing in Charlotte tonight. So this is a back-to-back. Oh, jeez. So, I mean. So the Wizards are waiting for them in Brooklyn? <laughs> exactly. That makes it even worse. They, they cannot lose this game to a team that is, that is playing tonight. Or it, looks, plays tonight. It, it looks like Charlotte won uh, 111 to 107. Uh, so, Rashad, right now the Wizards are 30-21. and 21. Uh, they were above Toronto in third place. Now Toronto has leapfrogged them uh, because they had two more victories, but they're tied in the last column. So essentially, they're tied uh, for third. Boston's uh, at 33 and 18, uh, three ahead of the Wizards, two ahead of the Raptors, uh, three three games in the last column, uh, and then the Cavs are 35 and 15. So it looks like you know the Wizards are six down in the Cavs in the last column. So you know thoughts of 
them getting the one seed, obviously, are are long shot. But I think the key now at this point, and now and Atlanta is 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 uh, on the heels of the Wizards. They're thirty and twenty two, and the Pacers are twenty nine and twenty two. So you know they have a home and away coming up here with. Uh, Indiana, they have four games left before the All-Star break. Uh, two with Indiana, they split one on the road and one in D.C. So those are going to be key games uh, of these next four. I think they got to go 3-1 three and three and one or 4-0 and oh on this to really stamp this uh, this late surge here as they get going after the All-Star break. Where do you see the, is the, the keyest part now getting home court by thir- three or four, but it isn't, is it really at this point with the, the Raptors struggling, uh, how much do they have, even though they've won two in a row, and, and I think they've dealt with some injuries. Uh, is it is it just avoiding Cavs, the 1-4? I mean, is is what we're, we're trying to do as Wizards, or what we want, I mean, I guess we want them to be the best, but I'm saying, like, is the key for them now is to be like, all right, we want to get that second or third seed so we can avoid Cleveland in the second round? I, I know no, that's a I, weird I, thing to think about, uh, but that's why I'm kind of kind of uh, have my mindset right uh, now. I, I think tonight pretty much showed that avoiding Cleveland is not that's, there's nothing to be scared of. I think yes, I'm, I'm, I'm saying where you would avoid you would you would avoid wouldn't get them to the Eastern Conference Finals. No, I think the main priority should be we need to make sure we have home court home advantage. Court, yeah, and I think that you know that's the thing. They should not sink past four. Nope, and and that that should be the priority. I mean, maybe two or three are ambitious. I mean, they're only three games behind Boston and. Granted, Boston has been playing all this time without Avery Bradley. Yeah, they've, won, they've won seven in a row, and Isaiah Thomas. I think they haven't lost since the Wizards beat them in the funeral, actually. Right, they haven't. <laughs> and Toronto, you know, Toronto is, is playing up and down ball because DeRozan has been in and out of the lineup. But I think if I'm the Wizards, of course, you know, you can you can give the cliche bullshit about playing one game at a time, and that's fine. But the ultimate goal should be we do not want to slip. We want to make sure we have home court advantage. Even though, if we're being real, if they do slip down to five and they have to play Atlanta or Toronto or Indiana, if they, I'm, I'm going to loosely quote David Aldridge here, if they play well and they played their maximum potential as they did last night, there's no other team that should beat them except Cleveland. So, but they, they can't they can't have that mind state. They need to have the mind state that we're going to get home court advantage, so we can be comfortable, so we can exploit this 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 home court advantage that we that we've built organically over the course of the season. So that that should be the goal. I'm I'm going to predict they land in fourth. I don't think they're going to. I think Toronto is going to. You know, granted, in March March is deadly for the Wizards. Yes, schedule. yes, it is. So, after, after the All Star break, they play at Philly, Utah at home, Golden State at home, then at Toronto, and uh, and then Toronto at home, uh, and Orlando at home before they go out west on a West Coast trip. Right, they got a home and home with Toronto, you know. So they and then they get. I mean, they, they do have Orlando in there, so they have they have and Phoenix. They have some pockets where they can win, but the majority of March is tough, and so I think you need to allow for some attrition to happen during that time, but they, they should be able to maintain that fourth spot and at, at, at the very least, and it's funny how we've, we've adjusted our, our, our expectations. <laughs> oh, I was talking mad. If we would have won this game, if we would have won this game yesterday, you know shit I was talking before the game? Oh, I was ready. I was like, oh, man. Like, you know, I, 
I got a bunch of I got a bunch of crap from my Cavs fans uh, for t- one tweet that went viral, which I'm not going to go into those responses. Maybe I'll talk about the responses in the intro to this podcast because it's too long, and I won't let you go because I'm trying to keep this on schedule. Like I didn't drink tonight, Rashad. I'm sober. I, I started this right on time. I got a bunch of notes. I mean, it's like this is a legitimate production. That, that, I'm, I'm I'm proud of it, and we have competition now because yes, one of our colleagues, Ben Standig. Who he, who does an excellent podcast? I mean, I I I, w- I want to give him props. I don't want to take yes. away from ours, but he does an excellent podcast because he does it every damn day. Yes, and which which I I just can't imagine. And our our editor in chief has been on there a couple times, including before this uh, Cavs game. So oh, he was we, on we, there again, really. He was, even he was even after I went to his party, he he uh, went to the Cavs game. I'm gonna have to. I'll holler at him, but now, but now I have to put. All you have to do is put this podcast up on the website, and then I'll, then I, he'll stop bitching at me, and then uh, and I can get. Oh him yeah, on. we got we got to get this up before the game tomorrow, so yeah. that we so that everyone the world knows that we we are still a force to be reckoned with. That that is true. Uh, that that and that is a good note for me to actually uh, cut this off and get going. Is there any uh, other parting uh, shots? I know Buck. Uh, Hans called this, uh, and Dan Steinberg's really good piece that you should go read as well on this game. That he said it was one of the greatest games he's ever seen, which is like holy shit. He did not work the game because obviously he was on TNT, but uh, heavy quotes there from Buck Hans. Yeah, I, I tend to stay away from the hyperbole in the moment. I had to let this breathe a little bit, but there there are two there are two ways, Adam, that you know you are attending a Big Wizards game. One is Michael Wilbon in attendance, and two. Is Dan Steinberg. Dan Steinberg yes. was nice enough to grace us with his presence in, in media, and he asked some very entertaining questions to Tyrone Lou, asking him about Tyrone Lou. I'm sorry, asking him about his time with Jordan and all that. That that was pretty funny. Was so, that before before the game? Yes, before the game. Before yeah, the game. Yeah. And Tyrone Lou talked about he has not only a signed Bulls jersey from Michael Jordan, but also a Wizards jersey. And then he told the media that he has an impressive memorabilia collection. So that was that was good. And he said that when he, he kind of was a, a marketer for Jordan, said that Jordan brought single-handedly brought energy and money to the Verizon Center in April. And so that, that was a good, good line of questioning that was kicked off by the sport, Mr. Sports Bog. So... I'm kind of bummed I wasn't there because Tyrone Liu, one of the greatest Nebraska basketball players uh, of all time, I would have been able to sprinkle in a Nebraska basketball question for probably the first time uh, in the NBA this season that someone would ask somebody about the Cornhusker basketball program because Ty Liu Liu was recently had his number retired. So finally, uh, because, you know, Nebraska doesn't have much to celebrate, even though Eric Strickland was pretty awesome. Uh, Anything... uh, and Eric Piakowski out there, for the Polish rifle, was another uh, Nebraska basketball player for any uh, NBA heads that want to want to reference. He played for the shitty Clippers for like ten years. <laughs> yeah, that, that sound you hear is people clicking that. Clicking it off. All right, Rashad. Well, thanks, dude. Uh, that was great. Uh, we will, you know, I'm covering the game on Friday night against the Pacers. Uh, and then we have, uh, are you going to Oklahoma City uh, at home? So there's two home games left before the All-Star break. Uh, are you coming to the Thunder? Uh, no, sir. Okay. I actually might go as a fan. So, uh, But hopefully we'll uh, do another podcast uh, hopefully soon at the break. And thank you, thanks, Rashad, for uh, telling me all this crazy game. This is one when you always say that, hey, we got to have another podcast or whatever. I was like, if there's a game that we need to talk about for an hour, it's this one. So, uh Awesome stuff. Go read Rashad on Truth About It. 
Awesome game, uh, game recapped. Uh, also, Brian France has a, a sweet piece uh, on the game as well at truthaboutit.net. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Uh, we always appreciate your support. And as always, go Wizards. F the Cavs. Peace out. Hey, 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 hey.